All right. Well, we're going to get right into it real quick. I just want to give you a, a little bit of an introduction, and then, uh, and then we've got some fun things planned for you this morning. Uh, we, we are in week four of a four-week series called Bless This Home, and uh, this is really based upon uh, the teachings of Jesus where he's giving us the Beatitudes, what are known as the Beatitudes, so all of the uh, blessed are, right, the blessed are uh, scriptures that we find in Matthew chapter 5, and uh, kind of the theme of this series uh, is that uh, instead of just saying that we are a Christian family, uh, that we're not just a Christian family, we are a Christ-centered home. Uh, and that we have the opportunity as followers of Jesus to bring Christ into the center of our homes. And we've been taking a look at each of the Beatitudes and, uh, and seeing how they could apply to our life. And so today we look at the idea that if you are a Christ-centered family, you will be persecuted. Yay! <laughs> right? I mean, that uh, you know, the, the, the word's a little bit uh, harsh, but it is the... Uh, the passage of scripture from Matthew chapter 5, verse 10, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. Now, uh, just for the sake of this morning, I think it's important for us to distinguish in the word, uh, what, what the word persecuted that we're talking about this morning is versus the word persecuted that was talked about in Scripture. Peter, uh, in First in Peter, is talking to a group of Christians who are suffering and being persecuted beyond what our little safe minds could ever dream or imagine, right? In fact, one of the things that they would do is they would take Christians who would not renounce their faith in Christ, would not renounce the name of Jesus, and they would set them in the middle of a coliseum, and then they would release lions that would physically and literally devour these people if they wouldn't walk away from their faith in Christ. Now, here's what he says in 1 Peter 4, verse 12. He says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on, on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. He says, But rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ. In verse 16, it says, and this is so powerful, he says, However, if you suffer as a Christian, don't be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. See, that's a, that's a persecution uh, that we don't know in the safety of our, of our country, the, this wonderful country that we live in. Yet all across the world, there are people who are being persecuted for their faith. So what we're addressing really this morning is more along the lines, when we're using this word persecuted, we're, we're really uh, using uh, the, the, the idea that it's more of an opposition or uh, a harassment, a, a criticism, right? It's, it's being mocked or, or taunted by others because of the righteousness in which you've chosen to live. Now, I don't know what it'll be for you. Uh, I don't know what your... Uh, line is. I don't know where you stand on things, but I do know this, that if you are living your life as a Christ-centered home, uh, you can expect it. There will be uh, mocking, there will be taunting, there will be things that come your way where people who are different just don't understand, right? And, and, and I don't know what those things are, but maybe 
uh, you've got kids who are wanting to go see movies that you're not comfortable with them seeing. And so uh, you, you draw a line somewhere. And, and just because everybody else is doing it, you know, and it's just a little bit of poo in the, in the brownies. And if you don't get that illustration, watch a couple weeks ago. But right, you just, whatever, whatever your line is, like whatever the case may be, there will be people in your life who don't understand it when you begin to live your life according to Christ. So you, you can just expect it. In fact, 2 Timothy says, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And then in John chapter 15, it says, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. It's why the world hates you. Remember what I told you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they'll also persecute you. So you can expect it. And then the second point in your, in your notes there is you can endure it. Now, 1 Corinthians 4.12 says that when we are cursed, we bless. When we are persecuted, we endure it. Here, here was the big idea that I wanted you to understand today is that when you as a family, as a Christ-centered family, when your identity is strong in being Christ-centered, then the, the pressures, the peer pressure of this world is weak. But when your family identity is weak, when you're just a, hey, we're kind of a Christian family, you know, peer pressure is, is strong. All right, so we're going to do something this morning that we've never done before. Uh, I'm kind of excited and scared at the same time. Uh, I want to give you the opportunity to ask some questions uh, of some, some families in our church who have not necessarily been persecuted, but have begun to uh, try to live their life in a Christ-centered way. They're by no means perfect. Uh, none of us are. Uh, but they are people who kind of represent different types of demographics of, of families uh, in our home. And so uh, the first is uh, Lucinda Williams. Lucy is a single mom. Lucy uh, adopted uh, little AJ out of adopted AJ out of the foster care ministry, and uh, and so she's living her life uh, trying to navigate what it is to to be a single mom. And then uh, next we have Carlos and Brooke Ramos, uh, who are a blended family. Uh, they are navigating the the challenges that come from parenting hers and. Uh, and theirs, and, and having uh, exes in their life, and all of that uh, navigation. Uh, Brian and Ruth Cesarek is the next couple. Uh, Brian and Ruth have four grown children. <laughs> Brian and Ruth have four grown children and uh, are now empty nesters. And so it's an interesting new season uh, for them. Um, okay. Okay. Uh, and then uh, Jeremy and Amy Pummel, uh, we're going to invite them. Uh, Jeremy and Amy have three children aged middle school. Uh, their, their oldest just is going into middle school, so they're navigating some of that. Uh, and uh, all the way down to four years old. And then my wife and I will be up here uh, to answer any questions. We have two teenagers and a nine-year-old. And, uh, and so we're navigating what it is to go through the teenage years and social media and uh, cell phones and all of that stuff. And so uh, we'll, we'll do our best to answer some questions. We've got some kind of starter questions. I'm going to move over here. And uh, we want to give you the opportunity to ask some questions. 
So uh, you can text this number right here, uh, 860-980-0214. That's a uh, Minnesota uh, area code. I, I don't know why, uh, but it's the number that we got. And, uh, and so uh, long distance charges may apply. Um, but you could text this number, text to that number, and then just enter in a question. Like if you have a question for any one of these couples, uh, I'm going to get the questions up here. If you think you're going to be uh, a smart aleck and, and send something that's going to come through, it's not. I get to filter it. And uh, uh, just consider me uh, the, the work of the Holy Spirit right now. So um, I didn't say I was the Holy Spirit. That's blasphemy. Um, so uh, go ahead and, and start texting in your questions. Here's the thing is if you don't, this isn't going to work. Because I only have a few questions to get us started. So uh, we really need you to, to be thinking through some questions. And it could have to do with uh, the previous uh, messages that we've been doing on this series. But just something along the lines of, um, of how they're navigating uh, their, their life. And so I'm going to start with uh, Jeremy and Amy. Um, you, you drew the short straw. And... Uh, and it just has to do with what I was just talking about with uh, family identity and, and having a strong identity in your home and, uh, and some values. And, and I was just wondering uh, how you guys instill your values into your children, uh, what that, maybe you could give us some practical examples of what that looks like. Um, how we instill values. I think early on, when um, I first became a mom, we became a parent, I realized it was very difficult. And um, there was, you know, it can be really overwhelming. So um, Jeremy and I decided to kind of pick some important themes and really drive those home um, in our family because obviously we can't, you know, even as people, we can't be everything. I can't be the perfect Christian mom, but um, I know that I can be good at a few things that are important and hope that God, you know, covers the rest and brings other people into my kids' lives that might be strong in other areas. So one thing that we've done that I think has been important and fun is come up with a family theme or like a mantra, we call it, and we say, to be friendly, be fearless, and have fun. And we say that all the time. The kids bring it up and tell each other it too. And so we have kind of Bible verses to go with being friendly. You know, God says to treat others the way we want to be treated and think of others first and then to be fearless. Um, you know, we talk about to be brave and how the spirit of God, you know, that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us and like Ryan said, that um, if God is for us, who could be against us? And to have fun, to keep it lighthearted, um, because especially sometimes I feel like being kids, um, like pastor's kids, it can come across heavy. And so um, we just try to have fun, too. And with the beef be friendly. We So pretty much every morning when they're leaving for school, we say that, be fearless, be friendly, and have fun. And sometimes they'll even say, I know, have fun, you know, and they, but it's important because now they know it. London just wrote a poem in 11th grade, and she included it in, in 6th grade. I'm sorry, she's 11. I'm like, I'm pretty sure she went to middle school. <laughs> yeah, she's in middle school. And, and 
And with the be friendly, we also say be kind to unkind people because they need it the most. And it's just something we always say. It's repetition. And so she wrote a poem recently, and she included all of that in that. So she knows the values. And so along with that, I mean, other things we'll probably talk about later. But just, just living open to the people around us and where God has placed us in our neighborhood and the families that we go to school with. That's a huge value of ours. But, yeah, the repetition, as Amy said, the mantras. These are our mantras. These are like our family family values, and, and they will always remember it because we say it every single day. And then I also say to my daughters, I say, I only have one rule when you with dating, and that is they have to love Jesus more than they love you. And so they'll just remember those things. It's just like over and over again. That's good. Uh, Brian and Ruth, we have a question for you. Um, how do you build a life before uh, empty nesting to survive as a couple after the kids are gone? <laughs> well, honestly, we're, we're still working on that, it seems like, sometimes. I, I think the way you, it, it, you know, just like any season in life, you've never, you've never been there before you get there. So um, I think you, you build it by seeing, you know, looking ahead, seeing what's coming. And um, we've, we've been so focused on family, and we love our family. I mean, our, our, so we still, obviously, we make every effort to, to continue to, to see our kids and to, because parenting is never done. You know, parenting is, it's not over. It's not over when they turn 18 at all. Yeah, really. <laughs> really. It's Sorry not to be the bearer of bad yeah, news. Yeah. So, <laughs> so it's, it's a long haul and the, and you just, um, it's consistency, and um, can you can you add something to that? Well, it it changes um, your relationship. I mean, with your kids change and whatnot, but you work on your. I mean, we date. We work on our relationship. We keep that a priority, and um, that's an example to our kids too. As you do that. Um, Yeah, I would just add to that as, as someone who's not yet an empty nester, one of the things that um, we're, what you just addressed is just dating your spouse and uh, making time for one another so that you're actually communicating and not looking at your cell phones in such a way that uh, when your kids are gone, you're not strangers uh, to each other. Um, good. Uh, Brooke and Carlos, uh, question for you guys. Um, how, how do you handle a, uh, a divided family? Uh, oh, sorry, 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 wrong question. Um, here you go. How do you navigate uh, blending a family where, as a parent, you want to give Christ to your child, but, your, uh, but the ex is not uh, when my child is with them? Have you guys experienced that or navigated some of that? Um, well, funny story. So initially, when I came to Brooks' life, uh, we were neighbors, so we kind of already knew each other a little bit, and I knew her ex. We actually had a decent relationship prior to, and I think it really was just a God thing, because once once we started dating, and obviously uh, it was looking like we're going to be together for the long term, um, I had a lot, of, a lot of conversations with him prior to. Uh, because me growing up in a home, a broken home with stepdad and in place, um, 
I experienced a lot of the hurts. And for me to be able to see my dad at the time, I had to basically ride for like, I don't know, 15, 20 miles to go see him because he couldn't stop by the house. And so right off the bat, I wanted to make sure, I, first of all, with Olivia, I, I, uh, I remember telling her because I would see how je jealous she would be or kind of like, hey, you're not my dad type of deal. Uh, I would be like, hey, you know, I'm not stealing your mom away. Your mom will always be your mom. I'm, I'm just here to love on your mom. And, and, and that's it. I'm, of course, love you. But uh, with him, uh, just having a lot of conversations, uh, being, being patient, because uh, we went through some really tough times during that the beginning year. And eventually, through those conversations, through patience, uh, he came to know Christ. And he got saved. He actually ended up calling me one day, and then through the phone, uh, he gave his life to Christ. Uh, so I think it's just by living a life of, of an example uh, and being patient with it really helped out in our, in our situation. And I'll just add to that. Um, it's actually my, my daughter, Olivia, she was down at the kids' hall, and she started doing the kids' worship team. And she would tell her dad, hey, I need to be at church on Sundays when I'm with you, too, so I can be on the worship team. So that ended up him coming here. And so now on Sundays, we're all here together hearing the same message every weekend. So we also have that to talk to each other about, not just what's going on in our own personal lives. So. It, you would be shocked. Yeah, that's such an amazing story. You'd be shocked how, uh, how our kids often influence uh, parents um, towards Jesus. Uh, Lucy, this question's uh, for you. Um, let's see if I can find it here. Uh, you guys are doing well. I'm having to go through all of these. Uh, as a single mom without an adult male in the home, as an example, what do you, ha uh, what do, you do to have... Uh, AJ sees some good, healthy role models in, in his life? Well, fortunately, the Lord has surrounded me with several of them, and so um, a couple of them are on the stage. <laughs> but um, just um, making sure that he is spending time with um, men who love the Lord, who will um, teach him to love the Lord, who will be that example for him. Um, so really, that honestly, that's it. I am from a family of six girls, so he doesn't have any uncles other than the ones that have married into our family and uh, some of them are not believers. Um, so I do make it a priority to um, just spend time with families. And then I've even asked um, this past, I don't remember what it was. I think it was, anyways, in the spring, I just called um, someone. Yeah, they were having a daddy donut, daddy and kolache something <laughs> down the hall at KDO. And um, it's something that I want him to be able to participate in. And so I, for the past four years, have called uh, just different guys. Alex Well has done it before. Forrest uh, Kim has done it and just said, hey, will you go with him to that event? So I'm not shy about asking. Um, and I'm not shy about inviting myself over to people's homes <laughs> so that he uh, sees that and has that experience. That's good. Uh Jeremy and Amy, we'll shoot this one over your way because uh, I know you guys just recently went through this. Uh, this question is, uh, when does your teenage girl get a phone and how do you control it? Teenage? Teenage girl, yeah. So our, our daughter is 11 and <laughs> not in 11th grade. We, um, she has a phone going into middle school, but she we only allow her to use it as a phone. 
and um, she doesn't, she's not involved in any social media. Um, we actually have not um, decided when we're going to allow, if ever, <laughs> social media, um, because we just continue to see how, how things advance, how, how much there is out there. Um, we, Amy's going to say something. I think she can speak to it more, but I, I, did, I do feel like this is important in our parenting. We, part of why I don't know if we have decided that is um, we really have tried to, to parent with them and teach them more as a family what we're for than what we're against. Now, that doesn't mean that we're not going to allow them just to do whatever they want. Um, but I read a book recently, and, it, and it, was the, it was a parenting book, and it was called Never Say No. And I was so intrigued by that. I'm like, that's all I ever say to my kids is no, especially when they're young. But what it really talked about is, is create a better way. And one of my favorite quotes from one of my favorite authors is, the best criticism of the bad is the practice of the good. And I think that's really important in everything that we do, every decision that we make is that we teach them the right way rather than always just focusing on don't do this, don't do that. Because if you have two paths and you just say don't go that way, they don't know why and they're intrigued and they might want to end up going that way as many of us have. Um, but rather than doing that, saying go this way and here's why and, and lead them down that path. So that's just a thought. Um, well, we did go back and forth and Jer wanted to hold off on the phone and I more gave in, um, mostly because I wanted to be able to communicate with her. Um, in middle school now, the teachers allow them to use the phone for um, research or they just do different things on there. Um, and then I just wanted her to be able to text me if um, you know something was happening at school. And so sometimes I think I gave in a little bit to some fear in allowing her to have the phone, but we definitely have things in place that we feel really comfortable with how she uses it and when she uses it. And something that um, I always do, and sometimes I probably overshare with my kids, but um, I also allow her to, so there's this campaign called Wait Till Eighth. It's um, something that you guys could look at if you have younger kids, but they say if you're gonna do social media, at least wait till eighth grade and so they have a lot of articles and I let London read them um, so that she can be armed with the research and the statistics so it's not just mom saying no you can it's bad for your brain or self-esteem and so I'll pull up an article for her to read and she'll come away and say wow scientists do say you know so it's I don't know it's helpful the wait till eighth campaign yeah it's really good we um as parents have let our kids, uh, our two older kids, uh, they each have a phone and social media, some social media. Uh, and we regret uh, giving our kids access to social media as early as we did. Um, and uh, if, if I had any advice, it'd be to uh, wait as long as you can and, uh, and really address the heart. Because here's the reality is when our, and we talked about this in uh, Blessed Are the Pure in Heart, uh, kids are going to have access, our, our, our children are going to have access to all of this when they leave the house anyways, right? And so you're really helping them make the right decision, not just, um, you know, with, withholding things from them uh, because you're mean parents. And 
Uh, but that being said, we wish we would have, have waited a little bit longer. Uh, and I'll uh, answer the next question. How do you control your kids playing video games, uh, type of games, length of time, and age categories? Uh, I would just say uh, my son loves video games. Uh, he has an Xbox that he plays all the time. And um, uh, we have uh, what's called the Circle um, attached to our Internet. Uh, he plays a lot of games online with his friends. And it, you can set time limits on it. Uh, if you're not familiar with the circle, it's super helpful. Uh, you can monitor that. The only time in which it becomes a problem is when your uh, kids load up software on it that refreshes their uh, MAC address on it, and then they get on there again and again and to reset the time, time limits. Um, uh, not that my kid's done that. I'm just, I'm just telling you that those are some things that I've heard. And, uh, and so th- that's, that's the reality is as parents, we have to be tech savvy because if you're like us, we're like, we, we've already, I mean, I consider myself a pretty tech, techie person and I'm still being out teched by my kids. And, uh, and so you, you Google is your friend. Start Googling, like, why is this device keep showing up on my circle? Uh, and that's what I did. So, uh, so I would just say monitor it. Monitor age limits. Don't be afraid to parent your children when it comes to video games. Like, you, it, you, I know it, in the short term it seems like you're being mean and that all of their friends are doing it, but I would just encourage you that, um, man, you, you just have the opportunity to, uh, uh, to, to monitor that stuff and to limit how much access they have. Uh, Brian and Ruth, this question comes from you guys as uh, parents with older children. Uh, how much did you allow your children to decide their career, their school, um, uh, their schooling, and how much did you kind of lead them through that process? I guess I would start with that when you watch your kids when they're little, you can start to see what's in them and what God's put in them and the gifting and so you just start to pray into that, and you just watch, and you pray, and you see what the Lord's doing in them. And then as they grow, you know, you just start to see, okay. And then, like with my daughter, Jessie, it took us, it was like trying to find the right fit for school for her. And it just finally, the Lord just, boom, there it was, and it was perfect for her. So it's just a, a process like that. Uh, this question is for any of you. Uh, between career, marriage, and parenting, how do you allow yourself time to take care of you? Anybody want to answer that one? Uh, Brooke and Carlos, you also had a question um, that came up that was similar to that. Uh, let me see if I can find that. It was basically with a blended family, knowing that you're having uh, shared custody and things like that, how do you navigate time and uh, career and so I'll, I'll just throw that question your guys this way well honestly like this time of year is probably the hardest time with all the holidays coming up and stuff so the last part of the year it's you know Carlos has his family I have my family Olivia's dad has his family so we had to navigate you know where is she gonna be in all of this and that's um, I think we're still learning that um, but yeah, a lot of planning. Um, I mean, we're already talking about 
next year's Christmas and Thanksgiving. Like we have to plan a year in advance so everybody can get, you know, what they want or um, negotiate, you know, how we're going to do things. Okay. We're still learning. So planning, yeah. 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 In other words, you, you don't know. It's just, it's <laughs> just navigating and figuring it out, yeah. Yeah, one step at a time. Can um, I just say one yeah, thing? Yeah, yeah, go is, ahead. Uh, we, we really try to, not try, we, Saturday is, is, is our family Sabbath, and, and we just call it a day that's different than the others. And so every Saturday, as you've probably heard, we've talked about this, and, and Pastor Ryan's talked about this as well, we get up and we do waffles together and lots of syrup. And there was a Jewish uh, tradition where they would give their kids a spoonful of honey on the Sabbath so that they'd always remember that Sabbath is sweet and the taste and see that the Lord is sweet. And so we do a lot of syrup on Saturday mornings. But it's a day that's different. And then uh, we try to always do dinner together as a family. And then we moved here because we have my parents and, and uh, now we have Amy's parents. And so... Uh, we have free babysitting, which hopefully they love, but that's a huge thing. It's just but that's sure. not the point, right? Whether they love it or not. It's, that's exactly right. Yeah. Exactly. So, so those are just a couple things for us. We're just good rhythms is the big thing for us. We were, had really unhealthy rhythms when we pastored in Denver. And so our goal moving here and in our sabbatical was do everything we can to reestablish good, healthy rhythms for our family, for our marriage, um, and just for our, for our lives. I can speak a little to that too. Uh, very similar. Our in-laws come into town every so often, so they'll be here for a little bit, and they're actually really good at recognizing that as well. So they'll—they're actually help. They're very intentional about, okay, at least once while we're here, you guys can go out and do your thing. So as a couple, we'll have some time, and individually too, we'll 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 look for opportunities to find time with other, you know, either, either Christian men or whatever, just some time for ourselves. So we can do what we got to do, kind of de-stress, so that we're back at 100 percent. Because we got to a point once uh, where. We were basically maxing each other out, and I was stressed out, overwhelmed with everything. She was stressed out and overwhelmed with things at the house, and that's when we had to, like, step back and, okay, what are we, what, we need some time. And uh, at least once a month or every once in a while, it, individually, individually as a, uh, as a couple, and then even with the kids, we try to be intentional with spending time with each and one of them so that they know that each they're all special. Not one gets more attention than the other, just so that everybody's kind of, kind of across the board. So that kind of helps each other time. So I, thus far, I have not heard the argument of, you spend more time with so-and-so than me, so I think it's yeah. working out so far. And I, I know, I happen to know, and I don't know if you want to speak to it, Lucy, but as a, as a single mom, uh, you know, you, if, when you talk about having time for yourself, it becomes really, really challenging. Yeah, I grab the mic right away. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, it's interesting because I am the type of person that... Um, I, it's not difficult for me to set boundaries. I will say no. Um, if I don't have the time or the inclination to do it, I'll say no. Um, but um, growing up in a single parent home, I hardly ever saw my mother. Like, I mean, we would even joke, like, as kids, like, where is she? She's high, like, literally, like, when was the last time? You, we don't know where she is. We just, I didn't spend a lot of time alone with my mother. And so um, that was when I adopted AJ, I said priority number one is I'm going to spend time with my child and he's going to know that he's a priority in my life. And so I would have those boundaries where if someone would, if I had something on the calendar and AJ and I were gonna do it and someone asked, hey, can you help? It was very easy for me to say no. I protected my time with him. 
But then the Lord really convicted me because I had no time on my schedule. For me, I would look at my calendar and literally, like, there would be months where I just didn't do anything for me. And um, actually, a babysitter actually said to me, she had watched AJ for, it was going on two years. And she just said to me, she's so sweet, she said to me one day, she goes, um, I have a question. And so I said, yeah, and she says, I've been babysitting AJ for about two years now, and um, I've only ever watched him for you to work. And she said, when do you just go out to just go out? And man, that really, I mean, and because I can, you know, I, I just, um, I just felt like, boy, it wasn't important. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, it's not important. Um, and so the Lord is just really showing me that it is. Um, just carving that time out for me, not just the time for me and AJ, but just time for me. And so I've been trying to do better with just having at least one night a week, um, one night a month. I'm not going to, it's not one night a week, one night a month. I'm working toward one night a week, but one night a month where I just um, read a book, drink coffee, whatever. And so again, being a single parent, babysitters come into play. So sometimes it's just, if someone's available to watch them, I get to do it. If they're not, I don't. Um, but yeah, it was really convicting um, for me that, you know, as much as I protect our time together, I also need to protect my time for me and to make sure that I'm healthy uh, because when I'm not, then he gets the brunt of it, honestly. Uh, Brian and Ruth, um, what does a uh, Christ-centered home look like for you? I know um, parenting and leading your, your, your kids wasn't always completely easy, um, but when you think of a Christ-centered home, what does that look like for you? Also, um, I, I may come to all three of you and ask because you may have different answers to that, uh, or all, all of you guys. Um, but then also, how do you instill the Word of God into your kids to where they begin actually reading God's Word on their own? Yeah, that's good. Um, I, I think um, looking back, obviously, this is this is much better to be able to look back on your successes and your failures. And you can the good thing is you can learn from from both of them. Um, but I think the the main thing when it comes to having a Christ-centered home is being a Christ-centered person. I mean, this is going to sound real kind of um, cliche or something, but I realized right in the middle of our parenting life, when our kids were getting older, it just hit me that um, the most effective form of parenting is, um, is literally being a spirit-filled, spirit-led person. I'm not, you know, Jesus didn't die so we could all come to church, you know. He, he died, I mean, church is good. This is good, what we're doing. But, but he came to restore us, and not only just restore us, but to come to be, actually become our life. And um, that's an amazing thing that I, you know, I'm still, I'm still, you know, we're tr trying to grasp that. But, what I, I remember one of the guys here came to me probably five or six years ago and said, hey, I just want to sit down with you periodically, you know, because my kids are young and I want to know what you did and all that. And, and, and it was a great time. I mean, I'm not, I hope I was helpful, but I, kept, I was kind of saying to him, look, get, get your life right. And I don't mean behavior modification. I'm talking about if you want to raise godly children, 
Be a godly man. Be a godly woman. There is no shortcut to that. You can't tell them what to do and be something else. I mean, you've heard all this before, but it's true. You cannot be something and then tell your children to do something else. And But the, the, the converse of that is as you, as you become to give your heart to Jesus and, become, and, and begin to live out a vital, authentic relationship and communion with him, that's, that's going to do it for you. I promise you that will do it. Some of these other things will not do it. Just practically, like we homeschooled our kids, so we did devotions in the morning. But, you know, let your let your kids see you reading the word. Let them see you praying and engage them in it. You know, that's that's all part of it. And that's, you know, as, as the Lord fills us, it, you know, it's contagious. They want to see that. So. That's good. Um, a couple more questions, and then we, we, we're going to have to wrap it up. There's quite a few questions here that, that are going to end up unanswered, and, uh, and so we'll, we'll navigate that. We'll have these. We may uh, post some uh, question and answers on Facebook uh, maybe throughout this week of just questions that have come up out of the series and, uh, and do our best to address that. Uh, a big qu- question that really comes from, uh, I know that we have uh, church family members here who uh, who struggle with this, but how do you raise children in a divided spiritual family where one parent is a true believer and the other parent is not fully all in? Uh, this is probably one of the most challenging things that you can go through as, uh, as, as a parent, as a spouse. Um, the best example that I can give you, and I've, I've used this before, is Kelly and I, when we were youth leaders, um, we had, uh, we had a gal in our church who, her, her name was Teresa Schultz. And uh, Teresa's husband, uh, R.G., never went to church and uh, would only come on, on Easter Sunday. And, and yet, uh, much like what we do here every week, as we would gather for staff meeting, we would be praying for Teresa's husband, R.G., and she never pressured him to go to church, never pressured him to uh, become a Christian. She just prayed for her husband. And one Easter Sunday, he shows up because he came on Easter and Christmas Eve and gave his life to Jesus. I'm not saying that's going to happen in every circumstance, but, but the principle behind it is prayer. It's, it's really the only thing that you can do is, is when you begin to pray and you contend for your family, you contend for your spouse, it's the only thing you can do. Nothing you say is going to pressure them into a relationship with Jesus. You live it. You live a Christ-centered life out in your own life, and then you pray. Uh, the amazing thing about R.G. and Teresa is years later, after R.G. had given his life to Jesus, uh, Teresa got ovarian cancer and uh, ended up uh, passing because of the ovarian cancer. And uh, I remember having a conversation at her funeral with RG, and he said, if I didn't have Jesus in my life, there's no way I could have ever gotten through this. It, the miraculous work of God in his life through prayer is the only thing that I can, I can give as, as an example. You just live it and you pray it and, and trust the Lord in it. It's, I know that's such a Easy, easier said than done answer, but, but it's all I've got. Um, and for those that are maybe yeah. walking through that, there's an author named Stormy Omartian. I think that's how you pronounce her name. Y'all, some of you know her, I hear. 
she writes The Power of Praying Wife, The Power of Pray- Praying Husband, and it goes on and on. And she, I, I got to, to hear her speak live one time. She told her story of how, how this played out in her life, and it, it's, it's fantastic. So I would recommend her some of her books. for. Uh, last question, uh, Brian, because I know you're very good at this. Uh, how, how should we pray for our children? We're going to end with that, and then we'll answer some of these other questions this throughout the week. Yeah, yeah. I, I might have a comment after. Okay. Well, we, what we did is, you know, we'd go in at night and put our hands on our kids and bless them and pray for them, and we just speak the word over them. You know, I can come up with a prayer. It's pretty good, maybe, but the word of God is alive and active. And so we lay our hands on our kids and bless them and pray for them. We pray for them every opportunity we get. They're going to leave the house, we pray for them. They come in, we bless them just every single time. Yeah, and we learned also that um, this is a great thing to do, and we've talked about this before. When you, when you pray for your children, put your hands on them because touching your children shows value, and um, it, it works. I mean, it really does. And, and yeah, we, we like we said, we, I mean, they... Jessie's going to leave tomorrow, and we're going to stand in the driveway. We're going to pray for her, and she's going to drive off. We're going to cry, and we're going to wave. And, and, uh, <laughs> but every opportunity you can, put your hands on your children. I mean, look, there are times. I, I, I know there are, uh, and I'll wrap it up. There are lots of situations and lots of family situations. Sometimes you've got some alienation going on there. That's the time to do it. Go and put your hands on your children. And pray for them and, and show them that you love them and that you value them. And that's, that's will show them when they don't want to be touched, when they don't, you know, that's when to do it. Which is different than one of the questions came, how do you discipline your children? <laughs> just, just. <laughs> yeah, pray, pray, lay hands on your children. Uh, all right, so uh, I, I apologize we didn't get to all the questions. Um, is it safe to say that if, if any of these couples uh, resonate with you, I would just encourage you, uh, couples and, and individuals, that I would, I would encourage you uh, to approach them, ask questions, to walk with them. You know, Brian mentioned that somebody sat down with him and said, hey, can, can you help me figure this, this child-rearing thing out and... Do we say that anymore? Child rearing, yeah, and child raising, and you know, help help me out with this. And and I know Jeremy and Amy would be available if you have a blended family. I know Brooke and Carlos would love to to chat with you guys about that. If you got teenagers who play video games, I'm your guy. Uh, <laughs> so uh, listen, we we love you guys, and and by no means is any of this intended to say that we've got this figured out. Because as you've heard, we we don't. We're we're learning as we go, but we hope that this is at least a beginning helpful conversation starter for, for you to recognize, wait a minute, I'm not alone in this battle. Um, but also knowing that when we are different, there will be challenges. And uh, when we're raising our children uh, a certain way, there will be challenges. When we're living our life as a, a married couple uh, in a Christ-like way, there, there's always going to be those people who look at us and think that we're weird or different. All right. Uh, I'm going to dismiss these guys. We're going to pray and receive the offering, uh, and then we're going to clo- close our time out with uh, one last song.